What's up, everyone? I'm Ben Amol, and you're listening to the Oracle Podcast, where your stories matter. Welcome back to another episode of the Oracle Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Omoa, and thank you guys for tuning in. Um, just a few shout-outs, a few housekeeping items that we just want to talk about. Um, please, if you're on your phone right now or if you're able to have time later, go on Instagram and follow our page, the Oracle Podcast. Um, just share that. Um, share our posts. We're just posting letting people know uh, when we have episodes coming up or just little words of motivation and words of faith just to get you through your day. So stay tuned on our page. Um, also, if you are listening to your po- our podcast on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, please leave a review and leave a rating. Um, leave five stars, four stars, any amount of stars, hopefully five though, um, just so that um, the podcast can be found. The more ratings that are there gives us more opportunity just to be found by people and so that it'll pop up more. Um, I just want people to hear other people's stories, to connect with each other and connect with God. So the more that we're able to just leave ratings and leave reviews is the more the podcast can grow and uh, be reached. Um, Also, if you're um, thinking about supporting the Oracle podcast financially, uh, you can become a patron and you can go on patreon.com slash the Oracle podcast, patreon.com slash the Oracle podcast. Last piece of housekeeping, um, this coming Sunday, November 10th, we are dropping our first line of Oracle podcast uh, merchandise. And so um, if you're interested at all, we'll be sharing uh, the link all over our social media on Sunday and just uh, contact me if you want to or contact the page if you're just interested in getting some gear and we can send you the link as well. Um, share it. All proceeds will just go to just growing our podcast and just seeing how we can reach more and more people and giving an opportunity for more and more people to share their story. Uh, this episode will be having featured Nicole Stallings. Uh, she'll be sharing her story, a very powerful one, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. I was just, I'm so blessed and thankful that she gave up some of her time just to share her story. So thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Stay blessed. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. My name is Nicole Stallings. Um, I'm currently just working as a freelance writer um, and speaker slash blogger. And I'm currently in transition right now. I'm not really living anywhere. I'm just kind of having living in a nomadic lifestyle. Um, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's it. That's all good. Um, (laughs) I saw recently, I guess this was maybe after Peru. You were at some sort of like camp and you were speaking? Yes, was, I was invited. Yeah, what was oh, that? Where ahead. was that? Like, uh, I want to know about that event. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great event. Actually, that was my first time. Um, the Florida Conference Young Adult and Youth Department, um, I guess they do this thing called the High School Bible Retreat for like, high school aged um, students and early college students and it's down at Camp Kalakwa and so they asked me to to be one of the speakers there and it was a great event it was really awesome I had never been to like an event just targeted for that age group but it was really really nice they put on put together a really good good event 
Yeah. No, it looked really dope. I think uh, we need more of that. We need more events that like are fully geared towards young people and then like they can just come together and have like people like you and wasn't Justin there? Justin. Yeah, Justin was there. His wife, Emily, spoke. Um, She's amazing. And it was, yeah, a power to the women. Big shout out to the women. There's a lot of women leaders there. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was really, it was lit. It was really, really good. And the kids that were there just seemed to enjoy it. And it was really life-changing. Yeah, God's spirit was definitely there. (laughs) Awesome. Now, uh, Nicole, um, I want to hear a little bit about your story. I mean, a lot of your story. Um, <laughs> but let's start uh, here. Um, when did you, like, so are you, like, you work for the conference. So, like, when did you become Adventist or how did that, your journey start, I guess, as a Christian? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see, excuse me. Um, back in... 2010 is when I graduated from high school. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, but that was, I wasn't really a Christian in high school. Um, I was actually homeless and I was like abusing drugs and I was in a really abusive relationship. Uh, just in like the this really dark wilderness in my life. And I knew, you know, like I knew of God, but I haven't. I hadn't been raised a Christian since my parents divorced when I was like nine. So like my whole life, I was not really like a church person, but I knew like, okay, he's got to be real. I'm just like, obviously my life isn't, you know, I'm not following him. So I don't really know if he loves me. But when I found myself in a really abusive situation um, in high school, that was kind of life or death that was kind of my wake-up call and that was the first time I offered a prayer to heaven um, because my boyfriend at that time had pulled a gun out on me and um, threatened to kill my family threatened to kill me and he actually fired the gun against my head and nothing came out even though I saw him put like bullets in the gun and that was like, it was like, at that moment, I was like praying in my head, like, God, if you're real, like, God, if you're real, like, help me. And he did that night. Um, I got out of that situation. Um, I'll spare you the details. It's probably not the best, but I did get out of that situation and I got out of that relationship for good. And after that, I kind of, that was my first kind of encounter with God, but it wasn't my first encounter with uh, Adventism. So, but that was definitely changed my life, changed the trajectory of my life Mm -hmm. towards wanting to desire or wanting to seek God and feeling like he had finally saw me. So um, after that moment, I started looking at for churches. I graduated high school, was going into community college, I started attending Elevation um, Church. I don't know if you've heard of Stephen Furtick's church. That church? Wow. Um, wow, wow, wow. That's yeah. Huge. And it was like when it was first coming, uh, like when it was like first, first starting. Um, so like, yeah, that was pretty, that's how ancient I am. But, um, and so that really helped me because I felt like that was the first church I felt welcomed at. 
Um, but still something kind of felt like it was missing and I really can't put my finger on what it was. Maybe it's just the fact that it was just a lot of people and I, I felt like just another person, I guess. I don't know. Um, and so moving on, I really wanted to like, okay, if God's real, I really wanted to like serve him. I really wanted to like do better, you know, like that do better mentality, like, um, but the thing is, come like my background, um, just to give you some brief information, like I had been abusing drugs since middle school. Um, I've had like sexual molestation happen in my life, like sexual abuse from a child. So uh, to escape a lot of wounds um, from when I was younger, I, I kind of fell into drugs pretty um, fast. So... Um, it was kind of hard coming from one lifestyle to the other. Like that's all my habits were sex, drugs, you know, not rock and roll. It was more like hip hop and rap, but, um, it was, uh, not saying that's bad, but anyways, um, I had that. And so I really tried to stop doing all of that. I cut off all these people. Um, but as you would know, or, as people who were trying to walk with God would know, like, you know, the temptation gets real, the struggle gets real. And um, I kind of got pulled back in some ways um, into, like, the drugs and party, like, lifestyle. And so this was kind of my struggle for maybe the next two years was trying to find churches, trying to seek God, but not really finding like a good community. And so for that reason, I would fall back into, you know, doing, uh, going places I shouldn't, doing things I shouldn't. And in one incident, um, I actually got into a really bad car wreck. I went to this party and this was like the night that my life really changed. I went to this party and I knew like, for the first time I was starting to have like that Holy spirit talk to me, like that little conscience and you're like the good angel, bad angel type thing. Like, don't do it. Don't go there. And I would just be like, no, like I'll do it. And I went, um, ended up being put in a really bad situation that I had to get out of. And so even though I had been like drinking, I left. And that night, um, I got into a really bad car accident uh, on the interstate in Charlotte. Um, my car was, I hit like a big telephone pole. I hit the guardrail twice going like 70 miles per hour. Um, my ball, like my car just became like a little ball and, um, I somehow made it slid into this gas station and, um, I didn't have a scratch on me, but I was definitely reeking of alcohol. And that night I got arrested. Um, and I was sent to jail, uh, waiting to be picked up from my mom. And it was there in that holding cell that that God became super real to me. And when I tell this story, I always feel like people are like, oh, she's definitely probably really drunk. But uh, I was in the holding cell waiting for my mom. And in the holding cell, there's no one else there. At least that night, there was no one in there. But it felt like there was someone in there speaking to me because I heard this voice saying, go to David Hood. And that was the name 
of this person, my friend's dad that I hadn't talked to for, you know, a few years. And it wasn't like, you know, my child, I hope you're okay. Or, you know, it wasn't like turn away from what you're doing. Like these other little small <clears throat> incidents <clears throat> I had had previously, I'd heard, stop doing what you're doing, stop doing what you're doing. This time it was like an actual audible voice, like, like as if someone was sitting right next to me saying, go to this man. And it literally scared me sober. Like it sobered me up like that because it felt so real. And it was like, I was looking around like, dude, who, who just spoke to me? Like it was the loudest, most piercing sound, like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and, um, but so after that, you know, um, I ended up, my mom ends up getting me out of jail and I like to, you know, just mention how, you know, my mom wasn't a Christian at this moment, but, uh, and I had just moved back in with her because um, she had let me back in the house after she found out I was like in an abusive relationship and all that stuff. And so I was like trying to, me and her were trying to repair a relationship and I just was like, dang, I just let her down again. And I couldn't even look this woman in the eye. And I just remember when she came and picked me up, bro, she just hugged me. Like, her arms were wide open. And she just embraced me like I didn't deserve it, you know. And she was just so willing to love. And that was, like, the first kind of glimpse I had from God. Like, you know, like, wow, like, how can someone still love me after I'm doing all these horrible things? And um, that really impacted me. That night really impacted my life. And so fast forward, um, I go out. Um, I, I message this guy, David Hood. I say, like, this is my situation. I'm kind of struggling with drugs. I'm, you know, like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I'm not, I'm, you know, I just got out of bad relationships. I'm, I'm really trying to find God, but I don't know where. For some reason, you know, I ended up in jail and I heard your name. I don't know what this means, but this is what I had to offer, which is like nothing. And, you know, here I am kind of like that. And he, his response was, come home, my daughter. And he invited me that, that Friday night, um, to a Bible study and to a dinner. Although I didn't know it was a Bible study. It was like a setup, but, um, <laughs> and Actually, I didn't know this until I started going over to his home more and more that um, his family had just become Seventh-day Adventists about three years prior to all of this. So they were the family that God was going to use to to give me like the the message of hope and all this biblical truth that I had never heard in my life. And so that was... Um, after a year of doing that, that was kind of like, well, I had found this community. I had found Adventism, and uh, I got baptized a year later after doing all that um, with his family's help. So that's that's kind of where uh, where I got into the SDA faith. Um, yeah, that was my first experience. But that's not really like where the journey ends, you know, because um, obviously I, I was learning a lot of knowledge, but there was still a lot of the heart factor that wasn't there yet.
Yeah, you know? yeah. I guess because like that's, um, I guess what I'm wondering is like a big thing that happens, um, is that you know especially, um, when we have lived a life struggling with other stuff or living outside of the church, you know, um, mm-hmm. we come to the church, and uh, it, we get pretty pumped up because. You know, we're learning something new. We're learning this good news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and we get baptized, you know, but then we kind of, it's easy for us to not have a strong fire as much because it's hard to apply that truth to every single day. Right, and right. And so my question, like, I guess, right. I'm, sorry, go, yeah, I was wondering if like, like how, how, how was that? I guess after you were baptized, now what was it like every day or... What were you doing or like, were you able to keep fire strong or what did that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, well, practically it be, it became, I mean, and I didn't know this at the, at, at that moment, but it definitely became a lot of work-based things about, and you know, not knocking that and, and like first, because when you're coming from, I mean, you look at, when Israel was like coming out of like captivity, like they needed a lot of structure to kind of figure out things. And that's kind of how it was for me. I mean, I didn't, I mean, dude, I didn't know how to pray. Like I didn't know any hymns. I mean, I was like a baby Christian, baby Christian. And so for me, that structure and that kind of coming in a little more legalistically, maybe that's just how God in his mercy kind of, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah, like but, you needed that. You needed, maybe you needed that at the beginning, you're saying. Yeah, so it was a lot of me, you know, doing devotionals and making sure I'm reading devotionals very strictly and reading the Bible and making sure, like, uh, that I'm doing all these things so that I can have a relationship with God um, instead of, like, you know, I didn't really have that relationship with Jesus I just more had a relationship with the Bible and that's definitely two different things um you know it's like in the scriptures you think that you know that this is me but like you're missing the point you know Jesus says to the Pharisees like like you think you have eternal life with these scriptures but I mean it's crazy so um yeah I was just doing a lot but I guess when you start doing a lot and you base your your faith off of how you perform, um, whenever you fail or whenever you get tempted, it's a lot easier to to stray and to fall in temptation. And so maybe like a year and a half after I was, you know, doing this whole, you know, going to church, going to Sabbath school and kind of quickly getting into the motions. Like, yeah, I was on fire. Um but again, there was just something missing. There was always something missing. And, um, and I just knew like, like everyone seemed to be so perfect in church, at least the church that I went into, you know, the females wear like these beautiful, modest dresses and skirts. And, and like, I didn't really have that kind of, I had those kind of clothes. I just felt like I need to fit in so I go to Goodwill and try to like find all these like modest things just so I could appear a certain way but deep down inside dude I was wrestling with so many 
things like porn addiction and, and actual drug and substance addiction and, and, you know, and, um, just all kinds of things that I, I felt like, wow, like no one's struggling except for me. And so I, I hid myself pretty well, but then again, um, when temptation came, my faith wasn't really founded on Jesus. And therefore I, uh, I definitely backslid and, <clears throat> this particular time when I backslid, um, it rocked my world and it kind of, again, led me to another part of my Christian experience. Um, and <clears throat> again, I went to a place I shouldn't have, um, trying to, uh, score some cocaine, which is, you know, really what I enjoyed. And, um, but I hadn't, you know, actually done it for, for quite some time. Um, and so I relapsed. Um, and at this point it was like, maybe this was Friday night. I had like Sabbath school the next night or the next day. Um, and I went to this party and, um, ended up blacking out and, and waking up. And that was the, the, first realization I had in the morning, um, where I was, my stuff was stolen, like my purse, my car keys, my ID, my wallet. Um, and I woke up just with blood in my underwear and like, um, cuts and scrapes and bruises all down my thighs. And like my pants were ripped off. And, um, so yeah, I, I had been sexually assaulted and the evidence was pretty clear and I just remember that shaking my whole, whatever my faith was rooted on, it just collapsed. Um, I felt like extremely dirty, extremely disgusting. Like, how could God love me? How could he forgive me for doing this? You know, I blamed myself for being there. Um, and then I just, obviously the trauma from the actual not knowing what happened and just having blood in my, you know, underwear and all these scars, it just, it, it uh, depleted me. So, um, definitely broke me and I didn't know where else to fall on. So yeah, my, my walk then started to take a turn for the worse. And then maybe a few months later, a year later, um, uh, you know, I quickly fell into depression and I didn't tell anybody what happened. I stopped really kind of going to church for a little, um, or for a lot, at least for the next six months. And then people started noticing that I was changing. And then someone mentioned to me this place called Arise. It was like, hey, there's this program out in Oregon. You know, Ty, Ty Gibson, David Ashtray, our teachers, and it's this evangelism school. And you know, it'd be really cool if you went. And that was like a green light for me. I was like, whoa, like I can leave here and you know start somewhere fresh, learn about God, and be in community with others. Like I was all for it, but I was also broke as a joke. So. Um, but, you know, God in his ways, um, ended up 
providing for me fully to go. I remember um, I had met David Ashrick in like a GYC previously and told him my story. And he was saying like he could sponsor me. So he helped me a lot um, to go to Arise. And, um, and I just remember going there and my life just, it's like everything, the whole picture of God was painted so clearly for the first time. It was like, whoa, this is the gospel. This is, this is what I was missing, like my whole life. And, um, that that experience is pretty amazing. Um, that whole experience. Sorry, I feel like I'm talking so much. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm just, I was just waiting. Like, I, I want you, trust me, I'm listening. I just, I'm waiting for you. Like, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you because I, I have so many questions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So. Because, um, okay. My, my first, like the first question I have about like, especially when the time where you felt like you were relapsing, um, mm-hmm. Did you, were you opening up to anyone about it from your church that you were going to? No. I, I, I felt like I couldn't because at least the church members I had experienced were the people who would, would always like be saying, oh, you shouldn't be saying this close to a guy or, oh, you, um, uh, that shirt's not appropriate to wear. So maybe next time another shirt you know these these people seem to be like the spiritual police so I felt like you know but I didn't know any better like I didn't know like this wasn't I didn't know that there was anything outside of this so I just rolled with it but that definitely prevented me from opening up and feeling safe enough to open up to anybody yeah because that's oh that's what I was thinking because I think like that's I'm sorry that that happened because like a big issue is like I think like the way I see church and the way things churches need to be, especially is like if we are trying to leave something behind us and we begin to relapse, like you know like does our church give us a place that we can open up about that and seek mm-hmm. guidance, or are they creating spaces that the second you tell them that you're relapsing or struggling with anything, you feel worse mm-hmm. and so yeah. that was my my first question about that. Yeah, I, I definitely, I know there's communities out there like that. Mm-hmm. For instance, when I, when I'll talk about what happened at Arise, it was a completely different atmosphere, uh, completely different environment from, from that first church I experienced. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. no, yeah. Tell me, tell me about Arise because I guess I have another question, but it might, it'll, it might apply more after you tell me about that. Okay. okay yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Again, yeah, I felt like I really couldn't be myself, you know, in this church that I started go- attending when I became Seventh-day Adventist, which, by the way, everyone says I don't say Adventist, right? But, you know, it's such a hard word for me to say. But anyways, no, it sounds um, um, <laughs> but I just remember uh, going to a rise <clears throat> and for the first time, like I saw <laughs> this sounds so funny that it was like I, I saw instructor and my instructors wearing jeans you know and like you know I was like oh this is a bible school and 
everyone was just so casual and like wearing like actual normal clothes because I'm telling you like I'm from the south so like the church I was in it was so different and this that was my only picture of Adventism at the time so when I came you know um to arise in Oregon I was like wow this is so refreshing I feel like it's 2014 again because that's when I actually went to arise um and uh it was super refreshing because the instructors and the people they made every class and everything so they would always share their personal experiences and they would share things that they had struggled with and and they made it already just a vulnerable place because they, they were being vulnerable um, with their, you know, their stories of how they came into the church. And then um, every class, which you kind of go through the whole Bible narrative and, you know, every theme kind of has to do with, you know, like the 28 fundamental beliefs of the church, but it's centered in the gospel. And that was the first thing that I saw was different was how much they talked about Jesus. I mean, they could talk about, you know, Daniel and Revelation, but centered in Jesus. And they could talk about, you know, the sanctuary, but centered back to Jesus. It wasn't just like factual knowledge. It was like, how does that knowledge relate to your personal relationship with Jesus? And that just like clicked. And and um, because of that, it was like, and then they would bring in different instructors. And there was a, was a guy named Lee Vinden, whose father's Morris Vinden. And I remember him just talking about Jesus for like so much. And he just made it, he made Jesus like, like for me in my, my little puny mind, I was like, dude, he's like Mr. Rogers times like a thousand. He's so, he's like this my nice guy who loves everyone. And then, and then I just started thinking about his death and what that meant. And like that night, I remember like asking Jesus into my life, like, like Jesus, if this is like, if this is what you really are, this is who you really are. Like, I want to follow you. Like, I want you in my life. And I just remember like bawling my eyes out. And, and that was the first time I really like invited Jesus to like live inside of me and like be in, be a part of my life and I'll never forget that night and um and then the next few instructors um started talking about like sexual abuse and like sexual trauma and um how to heal from it and it was like God had just been like preparing me at a rise to like get to this point to where for the first time, like I could finally, after that class, I felt the courage and I felt safe enough to finally tell someone I had been raped. And, um, you know, I had really never told anyone certain things that were done to me in my childhood. And so Arise gave me that, that safe place to, um, to, to tell my instructors like this is what happened and I just remember crying and they started crying and and like after that it just became a super healing beginning for like me to start healing um from Arise and from the the people there that's amazing you went from literally a, like a policing uh theology to like a liberating theology um, yes you went to a place that uh, knowing Jesus was something that set you free rather than something that made you scared of your actions. 
Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I'm so happy that you found her eyes, and I'm happy that that's what happened. I think, like, it's a real uh, rough situation, not just in Adventism, but Christianity as a whole, where people, um, they get to meet God, and so they join a Christian fellowship. um, But after they join that fellowship, they find out that they have to change everything they're doing right away. Like, even, like, when you told me you had to go to, you have to go to Goodwill, right? Because you want to find outfits that match, like that fit in, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, it's weird because then it becomes like a job, right? Like now you have mm-hmm. to go buy a uniform. You got to go meet this, mm-hmm. uh, uh, meet this quota of the of the of the job that you're working. You got to follow this uh, employee, I don't know, outline or something, right? And it feels like a job, mm-hmm. and that's what that's, and yeah. then and then you're at risk, like mentally, of like I'm about to get fired if I do something wrong. Mm. Yeah. Mm, that's good because like yeah. I was thinking like my question I had for you was like that time when you woke up from that party and you knew something terrible had happened like the first thing that came to your mind was you know like God won't love me mm-hmm. you know and like I guess like why do you think people that's always the first thing because that happened to me like I think like when I did something wrong in my life like the first thing that came I was like man does God like God won't love me anymore mm-hmm you know, like, why do we go through, why do we ask ourselves that first? Yeah, I think for me, and at least probably a lot of others, is, is you know, obviously I've been Adventism, in Adventism now, and I've worked for the church, and so I've, my experience has grown a lot, I've seen a lot, and so, like, the, what is it, the 10th or 11th worker, you know, that kind of comes in, I feel like I am justified to say that a lot of, at least from my experiences in the South, where it might be a little more conservative, um, not saying like every church, but I would say for the Adventism that I have experienced, they there's been a lot of, let's not change it because it's working. Let's not, you know, let's just keep doing what we've been doing because that's what, that's all we know. That's all we've been doing and it's successful. And and a lot of it seems to be work-based. And, and even though it may not be presented like this, uh, fear a lot of it is fear-based. Um, like, you know, I'm not knocking anybody's <clears throat> Bible studies, but <clears throat> I have been to several Bible studies uh, when I was coming into my journey where it, it was a lot of fear. Like, you know, or I, I just remember you know, if you love God, keep the commandments. And if you don't, if you don't keep the commandments, then blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and it was, uh, there's a lot of proof texts that were given to me that made God seem to be like, if you're not doing what he wants you to do, you have fallen out of of like grace with him. Um, And to me, that just, that was the Adventist message that I, that I, um, sadly kind of grew into, um, instead of like, you know, the, the grace and the freedom and the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of actually you do have a savior that when you, um, sin, like you, you have an advocate with him who actually took on your sins and, and it's it's so different. So I think a lot, lot of us just, sadly been lied to from 
you know, just the, the culture of Adventism saying like, you know, that you're, it's based on your performance is based on like literally what you do. And, um, I just think it starts from the original, you know, story in Genesis where, you know, like Adam and Eve, they failed and they sins and all of a sudden, like here they have like in their mind thinking like, let's hide from God. Like, let's like, we're scared of God now. Like now we have to cover ourselves and run away from him. And, but then you see this picture of God where he's actually pursuing them, like in the garden, he's like, actually, where are you, you know, Adam? And like, who told you these things? And so like right there, you already know, like someone has been lying to us. And it's just that, that big lie has trickled into our systems, our faith systems and, um, and our mindsets thinking like when we do something like (laughs) we're automatically going to get punished. And instead of thinking like, oh gosh, like he's a father. Like when we do something, he's, he's looking at us with mercy and compassion that is out of this world. So I don't know if that answers. No, that does. That does. That does because like that was the first time I've ever heard that a God asking, where are you in that tone? Mm. Like in my head as a kid growing up my whole life to now, actually up until you just said it like that, I always imagined that where are you question like, like my mom saying that after like I broke a dish and I didn't like uh, clean it up. Like, where are you? Like you're about to get in trouble, (laughs) you know, but it's Mm. like, it's like, where are you? Like, I want to connect with you. I want to rebuild what happened. I, where are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's powerful. Um, yeah. So then, um, Arise gave you a new outlook on Christianity, on Jesus. Um, how do you, how do you connect with God and um, see Him in that new light after experiencing tra- like trauma? Like, how do you? Like, know that God loves you? And how do you connect with a perfect God knowing that, like, we're imperfect and we've had things happen to us that make us feel even more imperfect? Mm, yeah. Um, that yeah, This one's I definitely have gotten a lot. Um, how, probably so another angle is, how can I still love a God who, like, allowed bad things to happen to me? That mm. Someone had asked me that. Yes. Um, but... Um, I think growing in my relationship with Christ is literally that is the foundation because no, we're all definitely on different walks and some people like for me, I'm trying to think it, it was a, it was a process. It wasn't just like, okay, I know I was on this high to rise and, and I felt forgiven and I felt great, but I mean, again, that was back in 2014 and then 2015. Now we're in 2019, and how do I still love and trust a God? Um, that it was a process. It, it was every day um, literally talking to God in the way that I, I talk to God and, and literally uh, being more vulnerable with people and being more open and transparent uh, with my struggles has given me the opportunity to heal and allow people, allow Jesus to show himself through other people who have helped me see Jesus more clearly. And it's crazy because 
everyone thinks, you know, to grow your relationship with God, it's, it's just a you and Jesus personal thing. Like, and, and that is a big part of it. I'm not, I'm prayer and your alone time with God is important for your Christian growth. But when you're asking me, how did, how, you know, how did I come to trust God? And when all these bad things happen, it was really when I started to see God in other people. And that really only happened when I could be vulnerable enough to, to go to other people and say, hey, look, this happened to me. And hey, look, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm struggling here. And, and God is always faithful, was always faithful to me and to everyone with bringing in people in my life that, that I knew I could trust and, and come and, and share things that were personal and it was like all of a sudden he would start speaking through them. And I'm sorry. Um, give me one moment. Um, sorry for that. That was my papa. Um, um, yeah, it was definitely just allowing myself to to be vulnerable with people. Um, and then God started using others to really help show him, like show me more of him. And so that really started helping me heal. That started helping me learn to trust him more because for the first time I was hearing like other leaders and other like pe- like other people my age tell me like, yeah, I struggle with porn too. And yeah, I was raped too. And yeah, this happened to me too. And so for the first time, I felt like I'm not alone in this. And that allowed me to start like breaking through barriers that I had never seen being broken down before. And that, that just made me fall in love with Jesus even more knowing like, here are all these people who love the same God I love, but have gone through the same things I've gone through. And yet they're like, we're helping each other. We're encouraging each other. We're praying for each other. And I think that's the whole point is like, yeah, bad things do happen to Christians, especially Christians, especially if you're walking to God, bad things are going to happen to you. But when you're vulnerable enough to like open up and be like, you know what? I'm not defined by these bad things. These are what happened. And you start like saying like, you know, but Jesus still loves me and I'm still his daughter, but like, who can I talk to about these things? I think when you start, like, for me, when I started opening up, like, it was just, like, this whole new, new world came clear. It was, like, this is what community is. This is, like, the body of Christ. And mm-hmm. and it was really, really amazing. No, that's ama- that's that's uh, really powerful. And, like, that's my dream is that we have that type of environment everywhere in all our churches that um, we recognize that we're broken we allow people to realize that we're all broken yet there's a perfect god who's always reaching out to us and he loves us in that brokenness even and so um mm. that's huge um yeah. i just have one last question oh man like i want to i didn't even get to actually no you you go on with you tell me about what happened after arise because that's a lot of time from then and now <laughs> okay well you know just in summation um after Rise, I'm, I did end up working there for a year as an intern in Oregon, helping uh, helping out with 
Storyline Church, which is a church Ty Gibson leads out in Eugene, Oregon. Um, and I was there with a few other people. And that was like the year where I grew the most because I was living with like, it was like the real world Adventist. <laughs> like, you know, you're living with eight other strangers and you start butt- bucking, butting heads. And, um, and there was just a lot of like personal development. There was a lot of healing through, you know, more wounds and things that come up because healing's a process, you know, you're always gonna, something might trigger something and you're like, oh, I gotta heal from this. And a lot of, a lot of that, uh, my internship with Arise really helped my life because I learned like when you do disagree with people and, you know, um, and you have conflict with people, how as a Christian am I supposed to, you know, uh, resolve that and work through that. And it just came through so much of being transparent, being vulnerable, being, uh, learning to forgive and learning to be humble. And, and all that just came through prayer and through, um, through a lot of vulnerability. I mean, like there's a lot of beautiful things that I saw during my internship with people forgiving each other and, and after they had hurt each other. And, um, that really helped me, uh, get on this, like this thing about learning to forgive people. You know, it was through that experience that I learned to, I wrote this forgiveness letter to my rapist, you know, I've never shared it. Um, but it was something for me that I did to kind of set myself free from that. Um, and once I, once I felt like, you know, I had forgiven him in my heart, um, or whoever it was like, all of a sudden, like God put different people in my life that I needed to learn to forgive. And he helped me like my relationship with my dad over those years, um, from 2000 and such and such till now, like my dad and I were not good, but now my dad and I are like super close. And it's just been an amazing thing to, to see how, you know, me forgiving him for the things he's done. And, um, that's changed my life, you know? So there's just been a lot of, um, of learning to forgive and just a lot of blessings that have have come out of that. Um, 2016, uh, when I got back from my internship with Arise, I ended up getting hired at the conference. Someone had heard my testimony and was like, oh, you should work for youth and young adults and there's an opening and I got hired and um that was a really good good part of my life um I learned that I love youth ministries I love talking and connecting with the younger generations and um I just wasn't too fond of the admin work um I'd rather just do like speaking and writing articles I guess what I loved and um but that gave me three good years of my life and now I'm no longer employed by them but um they definitely gave me the the fuel and the platform I needed to kind of branch out and figure out what I want to do and that is you know be a freelance writer and author and speaker and blogger whatever that looks like um so that's kind of that's kind of where I am right now so wow Mm -hmm. and then so um moving forward like if someone's listening is wondering like how to have uh 
courage uh, to be vulnerable or courage in their story or courage to trust God despite um, their trauma, um, what would you tell them? Hmm. Well, there's always practical tools and practical things, but I think first and foremost, people need to know that trauma in your life is not your fault. And and I know that sounds so cliche and it sounds so simple, but for someone who has literally experienced something bad that has happened, even the church culture, rape culture, our culture as a nation will always victim blame. And I think it's important first and foremost for anyone who is dealing with trauma to know it is not your fault and that you are not alone. Because I think if I if someone were to tell me those two things from the get-go, like that would have helped me immensely. And so I, I would share that it's not your fault and that you're not alone and that uh, you are loved by God. Um, and just those three as a foundation, like that will help you heal. Because I think now the next practical things to do is um, definitely talk to somebody, whether it's a therapist, whether it is a trusted family member, someone that you trust. Um, and if you don't have that or feel like you have that, there are hotlines to call or there are definitely like um, Christian counselors and there's a lot of resources in our faith that you can talk to um, if you don't have someone in your church or in your family. Um, but definitely talking to someone that you trust is probably the, one of the biggest things that you can do to kind of help take that weight off of your conscience, off of your shoulders, and, and um, the people just to listen to you, to, to cry with you. Um, that's a big start, a big start and a big step for healing. And I think the next thing is just, um, you know, I started journaling. I started writing letters to God. I started like literally pouring out my emotions and things. And that's how my relationship with God had really has really flourished is, is being personal and intimate with Jesus. But also um, I had a strong community that I have found that God has given me. Um, to talk to and open up to. So I think those those practical things are something that, you know, if, if you're recovering from trauma, um, to definitely um, kind of look for. It's just a healthy community. Try to find someone healthy and awesome and non-judgmental to talk to and, and go from there and just watch how God will use that person or use that community to start changing your life.